0: Thank you. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to 40 Years of Comedy, a tribute to George Carlin. Yeah. I want to make it clear. I want to make it clear this is not a summation of his career, this is not a Thalberg Award. We're not retiring his mic. We're merely checking in on a body of work that continues to grow at an astonishing pace. There are two things that comedians of all stripes have in common, basically. Uh, one, the belief that someone who's not as funny as they are is doing better than they are. And two, we're a cynical bunch. And two, a sincere love and respect for George Carlin and his work. Uh, he is a member of our holy trinity. Lenny Bruce, Richard Pryor, George Carlin. The rest of us are just congregation. Kind of it's true... uh personally i first began listening to george carlin in seventh grade uh we'd gotten a hold of class clown and man it was funny and dirty and great and we just knew instinctively that 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 parents weren't going to like this kind of thing we just knew george carlin was a rite of passage in the 70s Uh, as much as smoking cigarettes and looking at Playboys and, in my case, uh, dressing like Ace Freely. Um <laughs> And while the thrill has dissipated from those other activities, my pleasure in listening to George grows every time I hear him, as does my respect and admiration for him as a performer and as a person. So please sit back and enjoy a rather condensed version of George Carlin, 40 Years in Comedy.
1: thank you very much ladies and gentlemen good evening my name is george carlin and i am a professional comedian as opposed to the kind you run into at work all day long there are uh, thousands of comedians in this country but basically only two types of humor there's the old school and the new school I think we recognize them both. The old school is uh, largely made up of the fast-paced stand-up comedians, the one-liner comics, who came from vaudeville and burlesque, and uh, they comprise the insult school of humor. Jackie Leonard is a good example of this. Well, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. I'd just like to say, it's wonderful for you back here in New York once again. It's a wonderful town. Thank you very much. You've got some lovely girls here compared to the last place I worked. Somebody uh, at there was so ugly that if you wanted to pay them a compliment, you had to say, how do you do? I see your face cleared up. Now, uh, by contrast, in the new school we have many different styles, but the foremost among them, I feel, is Mort Saul, the first man to do much with political comedy uh, since Will Rogers. Mort Saul, right, good, right, good, right. That's right, right, good, right, <laughs> right. Uh, basically, right, good, sorry, right. yeah. Uh, basically, it's a dichotomy of guilt in society we're concerned with. Right, right, good, right, honor, good. That covers the comedians that we pay to see. There is, however, a third field, generally unrecognized among humorists, and that's White House humor. JFK, the present resident president. Thank you very much. On behalf of the attorney general, to Joint teacher staff, to members of the Supreme Court, and the rest of my family, <laughs> All over the country in Canada have been asking for us to bring back George Carlin. So, ladies and gentlemen, here is comedian, comedy star George Carlin.
2: Hey, baby, what's happening? <laughs> hey,
1: que pasa I'll sleep here, you hippy-dippy weatherman. Brought to you by Parsons Pest Control. Do you have termites, water bugs, and roaches? Yeah yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: well, Parsons Pest Control will get rid of the termites and water bugs and let you keep the roaches. Ah. Tonight's forecast Dark <laughs> Continued Dark Tonight. Turning to partly light in the morning. <laughs> and the big fight is coming up. Ali and Frazier, Muhammad Ali, I call him Muhammad Ali because that's what he wants. Oh, yeah, he's a big dude and he hits hard, you know. I'll call him what he wants. But uh, it's good that he's being allowed to work again. As you know, he couldn't work for three years. Uh, of course, he had a strange job beating people up. <laughs> but that was his, you know, he is right. He could have that job. Government wanted him to change jobs. Government wanted him to kill people. Yeah. Yeah. He thought it over and he said, no, that's where I draw the line. Uh, I'll beat him up, but I don't want to kill him. And the government told him, well, if you won't kill him, we won't let you beat him up. Uh- it was all because he didn't want to go to vietnam and now we're getting out of vietnam through laos and cambodia <laughs> that's got to be the long way we've got to go through china and russia to get out that way what are we going to tell them we'll only be here a short time or just looking for a trail well maybe they'll go for it i don't know of course we're only there in southeast asia for one reason to free the people so they can have industry Isn't that what we do everywhere, I think? We kind of free people and then lay a little industry on them (laughs) so they can have all the benefits of industry that we have. Oh, beautiful, for smoggy skies, insecticided grain. For strip-mined mountains, majesty, above the asphalt plain. America, America, man sheds his waste on thee. And hides the pines with billboard signs from sea to oily sea. I used to be this guy, or maybe this guy used to be me. I don't know, we were each other at one time. Wasn't long ago, he, uh... I liked him, you know, he was really good, he was funny, and I had a lot of fun with him, he did some nice things for me, but it was like, um, there was nothing behind him, you know? He was kind of... Just superficial. Just the surface. It was all characters. I wasn't in there. I found out I wasn't in my own act after a while, and here I'd been doing it for five years. It was all characters. It was all other people that I remembered from my life, and composites of people. People like this lady here, Congolia Breckenridge, a marvelous contestant on a quiz show. Pick a door. Oh, let me see. Monty, Monty. Oh, how many? What are the doors? One, two, and three. Oh, wow. What was that again? One, two, and three okay three you're what wait one no hold on i didn't go yet. my trouble was i wanted a list i didn't think it was asking much here are these words i'm not supposed to say let's have a look at them i figured looking for a list i started running into all the categories of dirty words started to realize there are more ways to describe filthy words than there are filthy words seemed curious to me someone was awfully interested in them they found an awful lot of ways to refer to them and uh, I did too called them bad language dirty filthy foul vile vulgar <laughs> coarse unseemly in poor taste street language locker room talk gutter-talk, barracks language, naughty, saucy, bawdy, raunchy, rude, lewd, lascivious, indecent, profane, obscene, blue, off-color, risqué, suggestive, cursing, cussing, swearing. All I could think of was shit, piss, fuck, conk, cock, sucker, motherfucker, and tits, man.
2: There are things about...
1: words surrounding football and baseball, which give it all away. Football is technological. Baseball is pastoral. (laughs) Football is played in a stadium. Baseball is played in a park. In football you wear a helmet. In baseball you wear a cap. Football is played on an enclosed, rectangular grid, and every one of them is the same size. Baseball is played on an ever-widening angle, it reaches to infinity, and every park is different. Football is rigidly timed. Baseball has no time limit. We don't know when it's going to end. We might even have extra innings. In football, you get a penalty. In baseball, you make an error. Whoops!
2: <laughs>
1: the object in football is to march downfield and penetrate enemy territory and get into the end zone. In baseball, the object is to go home.
2: And <laughs> going home.
1: And in football, they have the clip, the hit, the block the tackle, the blitz, the bomb, the offense, and the defense. In baseball, they have the sacrifice. What I have been doing, I've been yeah. branching out a little bit. My career has always been very one-dimensional just right. being a stand-up comic, and I've been doing a couple other things. I worked some summer stock last summer. I really? in, yeah, I was in uh, Death of a Salesman. I played the suitcase.
2: Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I did a little different for Rip Torn played the original suitcase on Broadway. <laughs> and I, I understand he did it uh, more as a valise, and I kind of, uh, it? I did it as a two-suitor, you know. Uh, you know, things like uh, that, I got an opera, I've written an opera, it's interesting too, you have an opera singer tonight. I've written an opera about tuberculosis, and the only trouble is trying... <laughs> yeah, well, trouble is trying to find a thin tenor, you know. It's- <laughs> but, yeah. This is serious. Now, I'm writing a sequel to the Bible. <laughs> it's a wonderful book, it's been around a long time, I think it's time for another, and uh, I... I've- I'm having trouble with the title. I go Bible Two. I want to call it Bible Two. Son of Bible, you get into those things. Uh, the Bible goes west, you know. Uh. That's all your house is. It's a place to keep your stuff while you go out and get more stuff. Now, sometimes, sometimes you've got to move. You've got to get a bigger house. Why? Too much stuff. You've got to move all your stuff. And maybe put some of your stuff in storage. Imagine that, there's a whole industry based on keeping an eye on your stuff. (laughs) Enough about your stuff, let's talk about other people's stuff. Did you ever notice when you go to somebody else's house, you never quite feel 100% at home? You know why? No room for your stuff. (laughs) Somebody else's stuff is all over the place. And what awful stuff it is. Where did they get this stuff? And if you have to stay overnight at someone's house, you know, unexpectedly, and they give you a little room to sleep in that they don't use that often, someone died in it 11 years ago, and they haven't moved any of his stuff. (laughs) Or wherever they give you to sleep, usually right near the bed there's a dresser and there's never any room on the dresser for your stuff. Someone else's shit is on the dresser. Have you noticed that their stuff is shit and your shit is stuff? (laughs) The FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, decided all by itself that radio and television were the only two parts of American life not protected by the free speech provisions of the First Amendment to the Constitution. I'd like to repeat that because it sounds vaguely important. (laughs) The FCC, an appointed body, not elected, answerable only to the president, decided on its own that radio and television were the only two parts of American life not protected by the First Amendment to the Constitution. And Why did they decide that? Because they got a letter from a minister in Mississippi. <laughs> a Reverend Donald Wildman in Mississippi heard something on the radio that he didn't like. Well, Reverend, did anyone ever tell you there are two knobs on the radio? <laughs> Of course, I'm sure the reverend isn't that comfortable with anything that has two knobs on it. But hey, reverend, there are two knobs on the radio. One of them turns the radio off, and the other one changes the station. Imagine that, reverend, you can actually change the station. It's called freedom of choice, and it's one of the principles this country was founded upon. Look it up in the library, reverend, if you have any of them left when you finish burning all the books. It's been a little while since I've been here and a couple of things have happened in that time. I'd like to talk a little bit about the war in the Persian Gulf. Big doings in the Persian Gulf. You know my favorite part of that war? It's the first war we ever had that was on every channel plus cable. And the war got good ratings too, didn't it? Got good ratings. Well, we like war. We like war. We're a warlike people. We like war because we're good at it. You know why we're good at it? Because we get a lot of practice. This country's only 200 years old and already we've had 10 major wars. We average a major war every 20 years in this country. So we're good at it. And it's a good thing we are. We're not very good at anything else anymore. Huh? Can't build a decent car. Can't make a TV set or a VCR worth the fuck. Got no steel industry left, can't educate our young people, can't get health care to our old people, but we can bomb the shit out of your country, alright? Huh? We can bomb
2: the shit out
1: of
3: your country, alright?
1: Especially if your country is full of brown people. Oh, we like that, don't we? That's our hobby. That's our new job in the world, bombing brown people. Iraq, Panama, Grenada, Libya. You got some brown people in your country, tell them to watch the fuck out. Or we'll goddamn bomb them. Well, when's the last white people you can remember that we bombed? Can you remember the last white, can you remember any white people? We've ever bombed. The Germans, those are the only ones. And that's only because they were trying to cut in on our action. They wanted to dominate the world. Bullshit, that's our fucking job.
2: George Carlin.
3: I call this piece advertising. Quality, value, style, service, selection, convenience, economy, savings, performance, experience, hospitality, low rates, friendly service, name, brands, easy terms, affordable prices, money-back guarantee, free installation, (laughs) free admission, free appraisal, free alterations, free delivery, free estimates, free home trial, and free parking. No cash? No problem. (laughs) No kidding, no fuss, no must, no risk, no obligation, no red tape, no hidden charges, no down payment, no entry fee, no purchase necessary, no one will call on you, no payments or interest till December, and no parking. <laughs> Limited time only though, so act now, order today, send no money, offer good while supplies last, two to a customer, each item sold separately, batteries not included, mileage may vary. <laughs> All sales are final, allow six weeks for delivery, some items not available, some assembly required, some restrictions may apply. Shop by mail, order by phone. Try it in your home, get one for your car. All entries become our property. Employees not eligible, entry fees not refundable, local restrictions apply. Void where prohibited, except in Indiana so come on in come on in for a free demonstration and a free consultation with our friendly professional staff our courteous and knowledgeable sales representatives will help you make a selection that's just right for you and just right for your budget and say don't forget to pick up your free gift a classic deluxe custom designer luxury prestige high quality premium select gourmet pocket flashlight and And if you act now, we'll include an extra added free complimentary bonus gift, a classic deluxe custom designer luxury prestige high-quality premium select gourmet leather-style wallet with detachable keychain and a pencil holder. It's our way of saying thank you. And if you're not completely satisfied, you pay nothing, simply return the unused portion for a full refund, no questions asked. It's our way of saying thank you. Keep your free gift. Actually, it's our way of saying, bend over just a little further (laughs) and let us stick this big dick into your ass a little bit deeper. You know, whenever you're exposed to advertising in this country, you realize all over again that America's leading industry is still the manufacture, distribution, packaging, and marketing of bullshit. <laughs> High quality bullshit. World class designer bullshit, to be sure. Hospital tested, clinically proven bullshit. But bullshit nonetheless. And it always amuses me that so many people seem to think that bullshit only comes from certain sources. You know, advertising, politicians, salesmen. Not true. Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit is rampant. Parents are full of shit. Teachers are full of shit. Clergymen are full of shit. Law enforcement people are full of shit. The entire country is completely full of shit. In fact, this country was founded by a group of slave owners who told us that all men are created equal. That is what's known as being stunningly, stunningly full of shit. And you know, I think... And I I think people show their ignorance when they say they want politicians to be honest. What are these people talking about? If honesty were suddenly introduced into politics, it would throw everything off. The whole system would collapse and I think deep down the American people know that the American people like their bullshit out front where they can get a good strong whiff of it that's why they reelected Clinton listen Clinton might be full of shit but he lets you know it Dole tried to hide it I'm an honest man bullshit bullshit people don't believe that shit Clinton said, hi, I'm full of shit, and how do you like that? And the people said, at least he's honest. At least he's honest about being full of shit. It's like the business world. All businessmen are completely full of shit. Just the worst kind of people you could ever want to run into. Businessmen. And the proof of it is, they don't even trust each other. They don't trust each other. When a businessman is negotiating a deal, the first thing he does is to automatically assume that the other guy is a complete lying prick who's trying to fuck him on the deal. So he has to do everything he can to fuck the other guy a little bit harder and a little bit faster. And then, when it comes to dealing with customers, that's when you get the big smile. That's when you get the big smile. Businessman always has that big smile on his face as he carefully positions himself directly behind the customer and unzips his pants and services the account we specialize in customer service you heard that? now you know what it means whoever coined the phrase let the buyer beware was probably bleeding from the asshole. <laughs> then you have advertising. Advertising is the businessman's cheaply dressed $2 blowjob. Advertising sells you things you don't need and can't afford that are overpriced and don't work. And they do it by exploiting your fears and insecurities. And if you don't have any, they'll be glad to give you a few by showing you a nice picture of a woman with big tits. That's the essence of advertising, big tits. Threateningly big tits. And speaking of big tits, what about show business? Show business, completely dishonest, corrupt and full of shit, but in a nice way. Plenty of expensive drugs and perverted sex. If you're going to be full of shit, might as well enjoy your work. (laughs) Then you have the media, not just the news media, let's include them all. The media are almost literally exploding with bullshit because they're located right at the crossroads of all the other bullshit. The media are made up of equal parts advertising, politics, business, public relations and show business. These people are sitting right at bullshit junction. There's enough bullshit in the media for Texas to open a branch office. And you still have enough left over to start two law firms and a Christian bookstore. Because... Because, folks, I gotta tell you, when it comes to bullshit, truly major league bullshit, you have to stand back in awe. In awe of the all-time heavyweight champion of false promises and exaggerated claims, religion. (laughs) Organized religion. It's no contest. Religion easily, easily, has the best bullshit story of all time. Think about it. Religion has convinced people that there's an invisible man living in the sky who watches everything you do every minute of every day and the invisible man has a list of ten specific things he doesn't want you to do and if you do any of these things he will send you to a special place of burning and fire and smoke and torture and anguish for you to live forever and suffer and burn and scream until the end of time. But he loves you. He loves you. He loves you and he needs money. He always needs money. He's all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing and all-wise just can't handle money. Religion takes in billions and billions of dollars, they pay no taxes, and somehow they always need money. You talk about a good bullshit story. If I may be permitted a small pun, holy shit, holy shit. we're going to lighten up a little bit we're gonna go back to advertising and we're gonna go on a little bullshit hunt little bullshit hunt gonna look at some advertising lingo especially food advertising you know the people fresh natural hearty old-fashioned homemade goodness in a can that kind of stuff so let's let's take a look let's take a look at some of these words Old-fashioned. When you hear old-fashioned, you're supposed to think, oh, this goes back to the old days. Right, the old days. Before we had sanitation laws. Before hygiene became popular. back when botulism was still considered a sauce. Old-fashioned is supposed to give you a warm feeling, make you think about your grandmother. Well, I don't know about you, but when I'm picking out food, I don't want to be picturing 90 pounds of wrinkles in a black dress with a big hairy mole sticking out, and an infected lip, old-fashioned. Then you have homemade. Homemade. You see this on the packages in the supermarkets. Folks, believe me. It is physically impossible for a food processing plant to produce anything homemade. I don't care if the CEO is living in the basement and cooking on a hot plate. It's not gonna happen. And you shouldn't be eating processed foods and packaged foods anyway. They're no good for you. You know how I stopped eating processed foods? I started picturing the people who were doing the processing. Next time you're in the bus and you see some guy with gangrene on his hands, just picture him on the assembly line putting little pieces of chicken in a box. That'll cure you. Then go home and eat some fucking grapes. Homemade. You see homemade in the the restaurants, too. Homemade soup. I don't care how much the amphetamine-driven waitress with the Marlboro lines in her face reminds you of your mother, the soup is not homemade. Unless someone is living in the kitchen, and if that's the case, I want to get a good look at this motherfucker. I want to check this guy for lesions, carbuncles, impetigo, pink eye, and ringworm, and head lice. Then you have home style, home style. When the advertising imbeciles realize that homemade sounds too full of shit, they go to home style, home style flavor. Huh whose home are we talking about? Jeffrey Dahmer's? Believe me, there's nothing home style about the boiled head of a Cambodian teenager, okay? Even if you sprinkle parsley on the hair. And any time they add the word style to another word, someone is pulling your prick. Old style goodness. What does that mean? Nothing. It means nothing. New York style deli. It means it's not located in New York. That's all it means, or they wouldn't have to say it in the first place. It's located in Calgary, and the owner is from Hong Kong. And the food tastes like things that the Bangladeshis throw away. Chicago style pizza it means the night manager once changed planes at O'Hare family style restaurant you know what that means means there's an argument going on at every table two people are crying and the eldest male is punching the women family style family style then you have gourmet here's another word the advertising cretins have completely wiped their asses with gourmet gourmet dining in a cup Gourmet cuisine in a can. By the way, whenever you hear cuisine in place of food, be prepared to pay an extra 80%. (laughs) Gourmet rolls, gourmet coffee, gourmet pizza. These things do not exist. You want to know what gourmet food? Toasted snail penises. (laughs) Candied moose balls. Deep dish, yak dick. Gourmet. Here's another full of shit food word, hearty, hearty. Soup is hearty, breakfast is hearty. You know what I do when I hear the word hearty? I look at the label. Hmm, 300 grams of saturated fat. Hearty, as in heart attack. It's the same with buttery and lemony and chocolatey, real chocolatey goodness. Know what that means? No fucking chocolate. And beware when they add the word flavored to another word. Lemon flavored drink. No fucking lemons. <laughs> as a pet food now, refers to itself as a chicken flavored treat. Well, a dog doesn't know what chicken is. He might like it if you give it to him, but he's not gonna say, oh good, I was hoping we'd have chicken again. <laughs> and by the way, chicken flavored treat? Right, no fucking chicken. <laughs> and zesty, and tangy. Zesty and tangy are not real words that normal human beings use in conversation. They're advertising words. Do you ever have someone turn to you and say, this is real zesty, and tangy, too? Now, one more food word before I completely change the subject on you, natural. This is directed to all you health food fiends, and environmental nitwits and yuppie cocksuckers who are running around in your natural fibers. Your natural fibers. The word natural is completely meaningless. Everything is natural. Nature includes everything. It's not just trees and flowers. It's everything. A chemical company's toxic waste is completely natural. It's part of nature. We're all part of nature. Everything is natural. Dog shit is natural. <laughs> it's just not real good food. <laughs> now, change the subject, on you? But we're going to stay on the dog theme. I want to bring you up to date on my pets at home. This is something I've touched over the years, little by little. Talking about my dogs and cats at home. I'd like to tell you the latest, what's going on. The one I talked about the earliest and most often was Tippy. Little Tippy. Tippy was a mixed terrier. And Tippy committed suicide about eight or nine years ago. Yeah, oh, I've had a lot of dogs do that. Haven't you? Oh, shit, I've had six or seven dogs just run out in front of a truck for no apparent reason. And you can never tell there's anything bothering them beforehand. No sign of turmoil or trouble. You know, they don't show up wearing a Judas Priest T-shirt. With a new companion who can't make eye contact, (laughs) I guess one day they just snap in their little heads. They snap, and out they go into traffic in front of a truck, and boom. And we looked at it, we said, "Well, that's what Tippy wanted to do. That was Tippy's little decision. Who are we to interfere in the plans of a dog?" So we just processed our grief and moved along, as so many of us had to do in the '80s. Then we got Annie. Annie was a mixed shepherd. Everything we had was mixed something. Even a lot of people in the family, when I think of it. And some of the livelier ones, too. Annie was supposed to have been a German shepherd, according to my drug-taking friend who gave it to me. You know, he handed me a little puppy, and he said, this is going to be a German shepherd. And I, being full of drugs at the time myself, I said, well, fuck yeah. You can already see the ears. And, of course, it never happened. I used to call her my Austrian shepherd, because she never quite made it to the German border. But Annie isn't with us anymore, either. Annie had to go away. That's the way we say it at home. That's the only euphemism we allow ourselves. Annie had to go away. It happens, huh? Doesn't it? Yeah. It's part of the deal. Part of the deal. What happens when you get a pet? You have them for a while. They get old. They go away. Just like your grandma. Same shit, different species. What happens to grandma? You have her for a while. She gets old. She goes away. It's inevitable when you buy the pet. You're supposed to know it in the pet shop. It's going to end badly. You're purchasing a small tragedy. So look at him, isn't he cute? My shit is gonna die! Unless you're in your 80s and you're buying a tortoise. Annie just got old, that's all. Got old, hips started to go. First sign of trouble with Annie, hips. Just like my grandma. Isn't that odd? Two members of the same family, different species, same symptoms. Makes you think. Maybe not. Even the names were similar. Granny and Annie. And he got that hip dysplasia. It's kind of a spinal degenerative disease where they can't hold up their hind legs anymore. It's gradual. They start drooping those legs. They start dragging them. Oh, it's a terrible thing to see. It's horrible if you love the dog. They're scraping their legs and everything, just dragging behind them. It's no way to live. And it pisses you off because you wound up with half a goddamn dog. Here's a front end that is perfectly serviceable. shit, she'd have been a Chevrolet. She could have been rebuilt. You come in the driveway, she'd be sticking out behind a bush. Say, look, she's okay. And then the rest of her, come on, oh, shit. Oh, gets worse and worse and worse. And there's nothing you can do about it. And finally it got so bad, Annie couldn't even get out where the trucks were. So I had to intervene on her behalf. I had to get some people to come to the house and essentially whack my dog. We put a contract out on Annie. But we whacked her when she was eating a big plate of pasta like they do in the gangster movies. We knew Annie would like that. So Annie went away, just like my grandma. Actually, it was a little bit different. I believe we whacked my grandma in the beauty salon. But as soon as andy was gone we did what a lot of you folks would have done well we got a new dog right away don't you do that sometimes to fill the void you do you go out and you get a new dog right away and we got a little guy called mo m-o-e mo mo is a maltese first dog we ever had that was all one thing ain't nothing inside of mo except other malteses he's about this big and he's cuter than a dick know what i mean just as cute as can be and mo only has one ball but he doesn't know that and he doesn't act like he's got one ball, cause Mo humps Vern, and Vern is a male cat. <laughs> Do you ever have that shit going on in your yard? <laughs> Not only is it interspecies, it's a homosexual affair as well. The whole neighborhood is just praying there'd be no children. Cause God knows where you'd send them to school. But he's out there first thing in the morning, he's humping away, you know. He's got a lot of energy for a guy with one ball. you got to give him a lot of credit. He's out there humping away. He's trying to get a little, you know. Well, he's trying to get a lot now that I think of it. And what he's really doing is wearing a hole in the fur on the back end of that goddamn cat. And sometimes he's got so much energy, his feet actually leave the ground. And he's airborne on Vern. He's trying to hold on to cat hair with dog paws and keep it in at the same time. And Vern could care less. Vern will give you a look like this while he's getting fucked in the ass. Did you ever fuck somebody who's reading a comic book? Same shit. Tough on the ego, isn't it? But it does happen occasionally in life. So, Mo Humps, Vern, and it looks so cute. I mean, it looks so cute. We took a picture of it and made a Christmas card out of it last year. <laughs> Swearing my mother's tits. Made a lovely card. Just put one word on it. Peace.
2: <laughs> you mean. Yeah.
3: Yeah. We spelled it correctly too. P-E-A-C-E. Be no cheap jokes on our Christmas cards. We said that our last year and shit, we lost a lot of friends on that. So Mo Huntsburn.
2: <laughs> I'm getting back.
3: So Mo hunks Vern, and Vern's a cat, like I said, and we got two cats at home, Vern and Murphy. And we got them at the same time, some years ago, they got into our lives the same week or something, and when we first got them, we had them neutered. You know neutered, that's a euphemism for go on, cut his nuts off. Well, we had it done because somebody said it helped something. God sure it didn't help these cats, I'll tell you that. But we had it done, we had them fixed. That's another word for it. Fixed, shit, it wasn't even broke, man. Oh, they broke now. (laughs) Altered is another word for it. Nice people say that, don't they? We had them altered. Like a pair of pants or something. Yeah, take a little off the cuffs and cut his nuts off. And I'll be in on Tuesday. Well, whatever you want to call it, we had it done. We brought him into the vet's office and (laughs) off came the nuts. We didn't keep them or nothing like that, you know. Although they do offer them to you, I must say that for them. Say, so you want these? You no nah, nah, shit, what are you, fucking crazy? You keep them, you find something to do with them. Might make a nice pair of earrings for your wife out of them. In fact, if my math is not incorrect, you might get two pairs out of that lot. You keep the ca- nuts, we'll take the cats. We go on home with the cats. Brought them home and they started growing up. Got to be about six years of age. And right about six, Vern, and wouldn't you know too, Vern, the interesting cat. (laughs) Vern developed a condition whereby his penis had to be removed surgically. Not a pleasant (laughs) thought. But it happens quite a bit to these male cats. If you feed them only dry cat food, not good. you got to get some moist food in that diet every day or every other day. You've got to have some balance on the diet, because there is something in dry cat food that crystallizes in the urine, blocks the urethra, blocks that whole passageway, and pretty soon you're sitting in the vet's office, and guess what? <sniffs> Off comes the dick. <laughs> Vern will not get in the car with me at all anymore. He doesn't trust me at all because he doesn't know what's coming off next he's walking around counting his feet and shit like that praying to god he's still got something left hanging off of him such is the condition of the animals at our house and because of it we have a little riddle a little riddle going around the family what has 12 legs two dicks and one ball and it's murphy mo and Vern. But you got to be real close to the family to guess it on one try.
0: That was amazing. Okay. All right, thank
3: you. I'm a little out of breath, no, know about that.
0: No, please, take your time, drink some water. I think the image of the cat and the dog will hold us for yeah. uh, 30 or 40 seconds here. I
3: haven't told a to lie about my pet yet.
0: When you were a kid growing up, yeah. you wanted to be Danny Kay mm-hmm. and Bob Hope, so how do you think this thing is working out so far?
3: Looking back. <laughs> well, I knew I wanted to stand up and, you know, and be silly and have people say, isn't he cute? Isn't he cute and clever? And that's all it was, was a reward, a psychic reward. You know, when you're a kid and you find out that you can get the attention of adults and approval <laughs> and a little bit of respect and, and you just hunger for it, you keep going back for it. And, and I have, fortunately, genetic, you know, my little toolkit, my genetic toolkit I was given, it included a mother and father who were very funny people, could do accents and dialects and tell funny stories about what happened on the bus that morning and have a punchline. So it, uh, you don't lick it off the rocks, they say in Ireland. So I thank, I thank my grandmother's milkman,
0: actually. Which might have been, you, know, you never know where these things go. No, uh, you, you, you're on your tell. It's interesting, you know, as, as I watch now and, and through all the years I've listened to your albums and things, your fascination with language mm. is so apparent. Watching you work is, is almost like watching a musician. You know, the way you, you weave words and use language for emphasis and, and all that. Was that always a fascination for you, even as a kid?
3: Well, well, uh, to, to go backwards with the question, don't forget what we do is oratory. It's rhetoric. It's not just comedy. It's a form of rhetoric. And, and with rhetoric, you, you, look and you listen for rhythms. You, you look for ways to sing at the same time you're talking and to go, and it's just natural. My grandfather, whom I never knew, was a policeman in New York at the turn of the century, and he was an uneducated man, self-educated. And he, in the course of his adult life, he wrote out the works of Shakespeare by hand because of the joy it gave him.
0: That's an obsessive young man.
3: Yeah, and, 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 and most everything is genetic. And, and my mother cared a lot about language. And my father was a champion public speaker of 1935. He won the Mahogany Gavel. Uh, over 800 other public speakers from the Dale Carnegie Public Speaking Institute. And uh, he, was, he was great. I never knew him either.
0: Wow. Were your parents put off by the direction that you went into when they, you started to go counterculture? Was it a difficult transition for them to watch? Well,
3: he was out of the picture. He, uh, he was brilliant, and he was a top salesman in advertising, but he couldn't metabolize ethanol <laughs> efficiently. So he was given his hat. My mother was very brave. She left, she left him. I was two months old, and my brother was five, five years, and she left down a fire escape. So he was gone. She, my mother, was very kind of controlling, wanted to control my life and was, was heartbroken when I began with the dirty language and the awful stuff he says about business. She was, a bi- she was an advertising executive secretary, loved the business world, thought it was just the finest thing that ever happened. And so when I went in that direction, at first, very opposed. Until one day we lived on the same street that I grew up uh, that I went to school in. I went to school on the same block I lived on something like that <laughs> Corpus Christi school and the nuns were great. It wasn't a typical Catholic school It was a, an experimental progressive school that didn't have grades didn't have any sort of corporal punishment It was just very very wonderful school and the nuns she would see the nuns in the street and They would say oh we saw, we saw George on, uh, on The Tonight Show and she being a bit of an actress she would say oh It's the awful language, sister, the awful language. And one of them said to her, no, 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 you don't understand. He's using it for other purposes. He's not just doing it for that. It's kind of like part of what he does. Don't you understand? It's this and that and so forth. So she said, oh, well, oh. And from that day on, Uh, she was okay with it because the church had approved it. (laughs) So that was that. That's how that worked.
0: People who deal in, in content that's on the edge as you do oftentimes live a life it's similarly on, on an edge. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those people go off the rails, yeah. and we lose them and their talent. And you've been able to not do that and been able to pull it back in and... Yeah. Uh, now, the luck st- stroke.
3: You know, you gotta have luck in this world. Part of it's your genetic makeup, that's luck. And then uh, what you do with it is also partly genetic, because hard work is genetic. The desire to do hard work, the willingness to work hard and be determined and not be, set, not be turned aside, that's all genetic, too. Uh, it can be altered and a little and reinforced, but some of the people who, who had so much edgy promise, they died young. I mean, Lenny Bruce, uh, Sam Kinison, Andy Kaufman in his way, sure. Freddie Prinze, John Belushi, Bill Hicks, right. and it's just... I don't know, of course, Bill had a natural disorder of his own. I think so did Andy, but, but it's not always behavior, but sometimes it's just genetic. But um, it, it's just that uh, I think there's a degree of luck and, and intellect involved in giving up things that hurt you. The, the drug and alcohol thing, it seems to me, comes down to this. Drugs and these things are, are wonderful. They're wonderful when you try them first. They're not around for all these millennia for no reason. First time, mostly pleasure, very little pain maybe a hangover. And as you increase and keep using whatever it is, the pleasure part decreases and the pain part, the price you pay, increases until the balance is completely the other way and it's almost all pain and there's hardly any pleasure. At that point, you would hope, then the intellect says, oh, oh, this doesn't work anymore. I'm going to die and I'll do something. But you need people around you who can help you and you need something to live for. You have to have something to look forward to to bring you out of it. You know, there's there a lot of people who don't have a lot to right. live for and they're, they're sort of stuck inside. Was there
0: ever any fear that by giving up the drugs, you lose a bit of the genius by giving yeah. up the wild lifestyle, sanity being the enemy? Well, well that
3: that's, that's, has been a canard for, for a long time, that uh, that most of this creativity comes from being wacky. And I'm sure there's a lot of truth in that, uh, as far as just being plain old wacky. Uh, where, <laughs> where the drugs are concerned, and alcohol, they do seem to open a window for you. They do seem to... Broaden the vistas. At first, the thing you have to do is learn when you know. It's like all these great writers who became drinkers. Uh, You you have to sort like uh, I find with like with pot. I'm not a big drug user anymore, but I have always a joint somewhere near me. I don't, you know, (laughs) hidden. Might be hidden. Might be hidden. And what I do, and I and I hardly touch it, maybe once a month. That would be frequent for me. But when I'm writing something, and I write perfectly straight, perfectly sober, and I write a whole lot of stuff, six, seven, eight, nine pages, and I really pour it out, the next day, one hit is all I need now. One hit, and it's punch-up time. (laughs) Time to get this thing going. And you do find, with that sort of judicious use, I find there's some value in it. But, But most of the things we use, don't let you leave them alone. They don't. pot does, thank goodness for that.
0: Well, that's excellent. What? Sorry, you can applaud if you wish. (laughs) That's uh, that's more than fair. You can more than applaud.
3: Yes, thank thank, you.
0: Why do you still care? Why do you still care enough to keep, you're at a point in your life where you could go back, you could do your month in Vegas and Florence Henderson could Mm -hmm. open up and you could go Mm -hmm. and and (laughs) hit a couple of balls and then some pinball. Why do you still care so much?
3: Well, I'm not comparing myself to any of these people, believe me. But you wouldn't say to Picasso, why are you gonna put those brushes down? Get rid of the canvas, you've done it. You know, you, right. I'm an entertainer, first and foremost, but there's art involved here, and an artist has an obligation to be en route, to be going somewhere. There's a journey involved here, and you don't know where it is, and that's the fun. So you're always gonna be seeking and looking and going and trying to challenge yourself. So without sitting around thinking of that a lot, right. It drives you, and it it keeps you trying to be fresh, trying to be new, trying to call
0: on yourself, calling yourself a little more, you know? And willing to put up with the grueling promotional schedule and everything else. The only way. Picasso never had to do morning shows in Albuquerque, (laughs) you know?
3: And the only way I can do this is to go where the people are. They will not come to my house. (laughs) We've offered bus rides and everything. They will not come. I have to go to Stevens Point, Wisconsin, or wherever it is and the audiences are great uh, and they buy the tickets ahead of time and they really wait for you to come there and see you in the theaters and concert halls it's special because the audience they do it beforehand and you're the whole evening in las vegas you're an afterthought you're an also well we could go gambling we could go hookering we could get drunk we could go to the convention no let's go see this guy and if they like you they do but they're not committed fans so it's a different tone there but it, it still works you can still do some things there that that you could feel good about,
0: you know. Do you feel your place in comedy now? Do you feel the, mm. you know, because we've been spending a lot of time at the festival, and everybody that I would mention, you know, hey, I'm going to do this uh, mm. George Carlin tribute, and their their faces light up, and, and to a person, really, Carlin, and mm. can I meet him? Is he around? Do you do you feel that place? Is that in? Well, you know,
3: it, that is growing on me. I think you know, longevity is a wonderful thing. They sometimes you get applause just for not being dead when you say It's true. when you say I'm going to be 60 they applaud that one of not dead, uh, 60 so, but, but I'm, I'm getting a sense of it you know when you're in planes three days a week I go out every Friday I come home every Monday it's three different cities three different nights airports hotel lobbies and people are wonderful people I love individuals I hate groups of people I hate people who have a group of people with a common purpose because pretty soon they have little hats you know, and armbands and fight songs and a list of people they're going to visit at 3 a.m. so I dislike and despise groups of people but I love individuals every person you look at you can see the universe in their eyes if you're really looking and they're great and so cumulatively I have gotten the feeling that I'm in this big family a family life I never had by the way this so to say extended family Of people who feel like you're their cousin. You know, I was like, Georgie, 1961, I saw you. Hey, remember that? Yeah. Oh, and you know what you said? And I said, Did I? Oh, yeah. So it's, you know, it's just great. And and so cumulatively, you say, Well, I guess I'm in the family. I guess it's okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you think, does it boil down? after 10 HBO hours, after a multitude of, of best-selling albums, after Grammy nominations, mm-hmm. after Emmy nominations, after Cable Ace Awards, does it all boil down to what you had said originally, that it's about, hey, dig me? And that hey, scene? look at
3: me, ain't I cute? That's it's all, it's just a job it's called showing off. And if you can get them to not only stop and listen, but say, isn't he cute, he's real, you're cute. If you can get the approval, see, I, in our school, we didn't have grades, so we didn't have A's, B's, and C's, and D's. The only A's I got, and this is a little corny, I got their attention, I got their approval, their admiration, their approbation, and their applause. And those were the only A's I wanted, and I got them. And you I certainly have you. mine, sir. So,
0: uh, <laughs> yeah. I just want to say that uh, I, I can't tell you enough what a pleasure this has been thank for me to spend some time with you and uh, to be a part of this show. And thank you very much for all it's the wonderful It's been great to, get, to know years.
3: you a little and you are going to show us a lot, and I look forward to it. Thank you very Thanks, much,
2: sir.